Wow, kia ora koutou. Good morning. We well? Ko Julia, toku ingoa, ko Michael, toku whai epo. This is my husband Michael, my name is Julia. It is an absolute pleasure to be with you this morning and to all the wonderful people on the live stream. I see you in your jammies. Great jammies, by the way. Very impressed that they're matching today. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to be here this morning. I need to start with a little apology. Um, I'm not going to sing this morning. I have been struggling a little bit with my voice this week, and I did say to Suzanne earlier that when I sing, I do sound like a quietly honking duck, um, which if there was some kind of need or requirement for quietly honking duck... Perfect. Otherwise, <laughs> um, not so helpful. So I, I won't. That was a little example. Um, Michael's parents live in Blenheim here, locals, so we kind of see ourselves as a little bit semi-local. Is that all right? Can we be locals? Hi, Amy. <laughs> um, we were at his father's 80th birthday last night. And got to tell you, no one parties like an 80th birthday, right? We, we partied through, we went on a, a red party bus through town. Don't know if anyone saw a red bus going through town with some chick on the back wearing a hat and, you know, brightly clothed garments and carrying a rubber chicken. Guilty, that was me. Um, thank you, you're welcome. Um, and then we went out for dinner afterwards and we actually went early. We, we went home, we were tired. We needed a cup of tea and a lie down. And um, and I remember years ago, my um, my father-in-law had his 60th when I was um, pregnant with my daughter, and we went out on a party bus and did all that stuff. And about midnight, they started making mocktails, you know, like um, cocktails that just mocktails, and and then they just kept going. And then they started playing 60s music. And about two o'clock in the morning, I had to come out and ask them to keep it down because I was tired and I needed to go to sleep. So, you know, it's, it's great to be here. Now, what I want to do is I want to actually start checking in on you, because, you know, you've come today and I'm, I'm caring for you. I'm very transparent about my journey with mental health and mental wellness. Um, I live and deal with a diagnosis of depression and anxiety, and I live a really beautiful life while dealing with my health issues, and I'm sure there's many people in the room with various health issues. But what that means is I like to check in on you. Is that okay? Yeah, so we're going to start with what I call the Chihuahua Chicken. Now, I call it the Chihuahua Chicken because... Dealing with my health and my mental health particularly has been a humbling experience in a society that still is a little bit judgmental sometimes when it comes to things to do with our brains. So I like to say my life is like a long series of getting knocked off my high horse and getting back on progressively smaller horses. And right now I'm saddling up a chihuahua. So if you will humble with me, um, what I'd like you to do is just chat with those around you and perhaps see which chihuahua are you today? Um, have a little chat, have a korero, see, see how people are going, what do you reckon? <laughs> now I don't recommend you dob people in, but this is a self, um, yeah. Alright, let's start with number one, this is a self-monitoring process. Don't jab your wife in the stomach and say you're number five because it won't go down well. But any number ones here today who's feeling a little bit number one? Let me see your face. Yeah, yeah, yep, I love that. All right, who's kind of a little bit number two? Who knows? Can't tell, can't decide. Any number threes today? Where am I? What's going on? Just happy. Just 
Just happy to be alive, to be honest. Great, you know. All right, what do we got? Who's, who's it? Number four. Might have had a little argument on the way to church. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's all coming out now. Because what happens is that you argue on the way to church, but when you walk in, you're like, oh, bless you, brother. How are you? Oh, amen. God's good. Yeah. Terrible. So like when you're at home and you start fighting with your spouse and then someone turns up as a visitor and they're like, beep, 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 beep. oh, hi, come on in. All right. Got any number fives? Yeah, there she is. Who just wakes up number five? Just whatever. I'm a bit over it. All right. Oh, do we have any number sixes? You might not be. Yeah, feeling a bit, a little bit teary, a little bit weepy. Seven, seven, seven. Too scared to say seven. You're all here and awake, but who, you know, who at about, you know, 12 o'clock today will probably be an eight. <laughs> I like it. I like it because that's what we're talking about today. And of course, um, my personal favorite, number nine. Yeah. And all the ladies said, amen. Fantastic. All right. It is so nice to be here today, and I've forgotten to put my filler slides in, so we're going to have to chihuahuas up on the slide there. But this, I don't know if you guys are aware, but the season that we're in at the moment in the traditional church calendar is a season called Lent. And um, there's all sorts of different flavors of church, and some people celebrate Lent and some people don't. It's totally fine. And what it is, is it's just a period of time, 40 days before Resurrection Sunday, that kind of lead up to it. And often people in different church backgrounds will either add to or take away from their faith practice something that helps them to kind of focus in on God. And it gives them 40 days to kind of get into the habit and, you know, move their way up and, and, and head in that direction. Now, I started talking to Michael about Lent, the church that we go to sort of, we celebrate it a little bit, it's just a great practice. Um, has anyone heard of Lent? No pressure, but just letting you know that's what I'm kind of thinking about today. And um, I said to him, you know, I'm in Lent. He's like, what, what's that? Because he was brought up in a very different background to me, a church background. So he was brought up kind of brethren missionary. I was brought up in a semi-cult, um, so I know everything, and we're the one true church, and he doesn't know anything. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but when, when we come, <laughs> amen, when we come at, uh, to, to our faith, we bring our backgrounds to it, right? And we bring different language, we bring different words, and you know, and, and sometimes we use nice words in church that we don't use outside, you know, if I, I, I'm, I'm out, and here I'm preaching, out there I'm just talking, you know, if I'm... I'm out there, I'm, I'm singing, I come in here, I'm ministering. Just sounds so much nicer, right? Eh? Sounds so much holier, yeah. So we sometimes use different language, and um, we've come to a little, sometimes we have a little bit of a communication barrier. And Michael was watching uh, a show on TV, a cooking show, he's really into his cooking show, so he likes to watch cooking shows on TV. And he, I came home and he's like, oh man, they're making this amazing food, and it had some special salt. This, it was the salt that just made this dish I said, what sort of salt? He goes, oh, I can't remember. It was some kind of religious salt. I was like, religious salt? What would a religious salt be? And he goes, oh, I don't know. Maybe like Mormon salt. Anybody guess what it might be? Kosher salt. That's what it was. Yeah, you had kosher salt. So <laughs> I said, you might be kosher. So we caught him up on that one. Um, and then I had another one. We, you know, there's terminologies in relation to people's beliefs. And uh, we have a wonderful friend who, who keeps going through the process of going out with girlfriends, and, and they often not Christian. Um, they, you know, maybe agnostic, or they're just not that interested. And it just doesn't work out that well. And it 
just falls apart. And, you know, we're like, oh, come on, dude. Find yourself a lovely Christian girlfriend. Anyway, Michael came home and he goes, our friend's got a new girlfriend. I said, oh, is she Christian? He goes, oh, no. I think she's diagnostic. (laughs) I love you, babe. Um, However, she does actually work in a laboratory. So actually diagnostic, I thought, amen. So there you go. So we have these little things. She was, she was, yeah. So we come into the series, and I was thinking, what can I do, you know, heading into Lent? And I thought, oh, I'm just going to do stuff. I'm going to do some, oh, I'm just going to pray more. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to get up early in the morning. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to get moving. I'm going to help people. I'm going to share. And all these wonderful good ideas of how I could add to my practice to bring me closer to God. And then the last six weeks happened. Now, we live in Auckland, so, you know, it's been a tough good old six weeks. We've had a flood, we've had a storm, all we need is a plague of locusts, and I'm done, you know. And actually, I discovered that I was really, really tired, and I was actually too tired to start picking up new practices, And you know how often we feel like, as Christians, we feel like we need to add stuff in, we need to do more things. And I was actually too tired. So I thought about what can I do that's actually going to help me find myself in a space where I can be closer to God. And that's actually to do less. Because I reckon in these crazy times, Lent or not, we need to prioritize our rest. Amen? All right. So today I'm going to be talking, basically I gave up late nights for Lent. Amen. That's a good one. All right. So in these crazy times, we need to actually learn to rest. And so I dug in a little bit into the scripture and into the science. Now, I'm a big believer in the combination of faith and works. I think we bring to the table our part, and then God brings to the table his part, and that wonderful dance to the finish line is where we work together. So if I imagine I'm walking, one part of my step is faith, and the other part is the works. There's the bit that I do. There's my personal responsibility. And then there's the bit that God does. And then there's a bit of me and a bit of him. And you know, sometimes we've actually got to put into practice what we learn. I discovered this when I was was a single woman and I decided I would quite like to get married. So I've been praying away. I was, oh God, bring me a wonderful husband. And then I realized that if I was going to expect someone to come knocking on my door, I was going to have to be prepared to marry a Jehovah's Witness. And with the greatest of respect, that just wasn't my jam. So, um, so I had to do something about it. So I had to pray. Yes, I did. I totally believed that God could do some wonderful things, but I had to actually do something about it. ChristianCafe.com. You're welcome. Here's one I prepared earlier. Um, so, you know, we've got to do some stuff as well as believing. Is that okay with you? I know it's very pragmatic. But I also love to dig into this concept that sometimes Scripture guides us, and science really agrees with that beautifully. I don't see a huge problem with that. I actually see this lovely crossover when we say, yeah, there's good reasons why the ancient text said this, and now we're learning this. Yeah, and so I've been putting on my science geek hat and my scripture theology hat, and today we're going to talk about rest. Um, Don't fall asleep during my message. (laughs) Now, in my work in mental health, what I've discovered is we use this word busy. I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. Oh, my gosh, I'm just really busy. And we've used it as a noun, as a verb, as an adjective. It's become a badge of honor. How are you? Oh, I'm busy. 
You know, it's become something, it's become an answer for our emotional, I'm just so busy, 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 busy. And we're really proud of how busy we are. And often we get so busy that we take, we, we forget to take time to rest. Now, this isn't just my idea. I've pulled out a couple of times where Jesus gave a really great example of rest. I was going to call my message, Why Jesus Loved a Cup of Tea and a Lie Down, and you should too. <laughs> All right, but we're going to read the scripture here in Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Now, can you just imagine for a minute? Bunch of young guys, they've been out on their ministry tour, they've been right into it. They've been getting people's miracles and wonderful. You mean they've been up all night eating KFC and, you know, having prayer times and get so excited. They would have been really enthusiastic. Who remembers being young and enthusiastic? Oh, I do. Vivid, yeah. I like to say vivid, vague memories. You know, sometimes we do some funny things. We stay up all night. We think that's a good idea. Now I stay up all night. It takes me a month to recover. <laughs> I remember once being in a, a prayer time, we were young and enthusiastic, we did an all-night prayer time um, in this church in Auckland, right on the streets in the middle of Simon Street, and we were praying away, there's a group of us fervent and earnest, and middle of the night this man came in, and looking back now, he was potentially homeless and really needing us to help his physical needs, but we were very spiritual, so spiritual, so we were like, come on and we'll just pray for you. Rather than helping him out, we'll just pray for you. Which is good too, because, you know, faith works, faith works. We pulled him in. We said, let's pray for you. We started praying, and then one guy got really enthusiastic, Pentecostal background. He thought he might cast a demon out of him, so he goes to the guy, name yourself. And the guy goes, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back now, probably Steve needed a cup of tea, maybe somewhere to sleep, and some prayer as well, but that was cool. We were young and enthusiastic. So they've come on back, and they're like, Jesus, Jesus, let's keep going, because we're busy, we're busy, busy, busy. But what did Jesus say? Nah, -uh. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place, and rest a while. Interesting, eh? It's kind of not what we would expect. We'd expect to push through for the breakthrough. And he's like, actually, we need to stop. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. They were hangry. You familiar with hangry? Anyone got a you know, man in their life that gets a bit hangry? A teenager, a young girl? Hungry and angry. He recognized that if they didn't get something to eat soon, all things were going downhill. And so they got on the boat and they left for a quiet place where they could be alone. So Jesus' example here was, yes, they got busy. Yes, they did the doing. Yes, they did the stuff. But there came a time when he recognized it was time to stop and take a break. Now, ironically, uh, does anyone happen to know what happened next in this story? Because they got on a boat and they, f they floated off to try and get away and have a cup of tea and a lie down. Anyone know what happens next? The feeding of the 5,000. So 5,000 people followed them. They came round by a thing. But I actually dug into this a little bit further. It wasn't just 5,000 people. It was because only men got counted in those days. I wouldn't have got a vote. So men all got 5,000 plus their wives. I don't know if they had more than one, so that might have been 10,000 or more, plus all their children. No contraceptions in those days would have been hundreds of thousands of them. So these people all followed them up. It is an introvert nightmare. I can feel who's a little bit introverted like to take time for themselves. You're feeling all tense right now. I went away for a quiet spot like Jesus said and they followed me. 
Anyone got toddlers? It feels a bit like that all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's actually what happened. But the intention was to get away and have a little bit of a rest. Now, interestingly, science talks really clearly to us about this as well. And I love the way this works together. So why are we all so tired? I mean, you know, we're supposed to be have all these wonderful power-saving machines and we've got the internet and we've got like vacuum cleaners and stuff. We should be like super relaxed and calm and, and have heaps of time to ourselves. Unfortunately, we're actually really, really tired for one really good reason. I'm going to give you a couple of good reasons why we're so tired and what we can do about it practically. We are tired because we have a lot to think about. Our brains, I've called our brain an energy-hungry monster. <laughs> Your brain is 2% of your body weight, and it uses 20% of your energy. And if you do heavy cognitive thought, it can be up to 40%. So you will find yourself at times feeling exhausted from cognitive thinking. Now, I want to play a little game called Put a Finger Down. I just want you to hold your hand like that. And if you can relate to any one of the five things I'm about to say to do with your brain... We're just going to pop a finger down, okay? You ready? Put a finger down if you have ever felt super tired after having to do some really heavy thinking, and even though you haven't done anything. And you come out and you're like, I haven't even done anything, but I feel pretty tired. You might have studied for an exam, prepped for a meeting, had quite an emotional conversation with someone, and you just come out going like, whoo, ready to have a a lie down. Put, Put a finger down if you've ever walked into a room and then forgot why you were there. And what you have to do is you have to recreate. I'm not sure how far I can go out of the stream. Can I keep walking? About there. You'll follow me. Fantastic. Now, you walk in, and what you do is you recreate. You think it again, and you hope that by that second time it will come back to you. Yeah, it's just me. Put a finger down if you have ever woken up in the middle of the night with a really creative idea. Yeah. Have something. Have your journal by your bed. Like, have something there, right? Two fingers, I recommend you go up to that. All right. Put a finger down if you've ever stopped thinking about something and then suddenly remembered it later. Yeah? <laughs> Put a finger down if you've ever woken up in a better state of mind than when you went to sleep. Never, never, never believe your thoughts after 2 a.m. Pretty complicated. Cool. Look around. We've got maybe people with one or two or no fingers up. We are all different, and yet we are often really, really similar. So your brain uses a lot of our energy just to do its thinking. And guess what? At the moment, it's thinking about a lot of stuff. Now, I have next a very, very scientific, highly accurate representation of the modern world. Are you ready? (laughs) Probably not so accurate, but can, can anyone relate? Yeah. Things we had to think about in 1980. Life was, it, it felt pretty simple. Now, I know there was all the complications and all the normal stuff, but I've got to tell you, right now, in the last three years particularly, it's like we're doing a Rubik's Cube like this, as well as all the other... We were talking about this before. It's not just instead of. The things we're dealing with in today's world are not instead of thinking about what to make for dinner or instead of looking after our family or thinking about our our aging parents and caring for them, or instead of looking after our kids and getting them to school on time and making sure they've got a hat and sunscreen. You know, all all the things that are difficult, it's as well as. And it feels like instead of multiple things, it's just getting bigger and bigger. We came into 2020, and all these people, I love it, you know, they get on Facebook, oh, this year's gonna be the best year yet. 
neck, my nut. <laughs> you know, every year they say it. Every year I say this one thing, I promise you, this year will be gad and bud. It's going to be a mix. There will be some things that are really difficult. Tears will be shared. People will be lost. Challenges will be had. And yet others will come into our life and bring great beauty. We'll have celebrations and parties. There will be some of one and some of the other. God never promised that it's all going to be sweet as. If you can find the verse in the Bible that says, Yea, verily, it's all going to be sweet as, let me know. It's probably in numbers somewhere. Let's face it. I haven't read it. <laughs> no, no. no, I have, I have. Um, but there's a lot to think about. And so you can, I just want you for a moment just to pop your life into this Rubik's Cube. What have you got to deal with? Because we've got all the stuff. We've got, you know, we've had a global pandemic. We've got war in Ukraine. We've got, um, you know, just all these, uh, you know, eggs cost $4 billion and, and petrol and all those things. But also thinking about what are you dealing with? There's a lot. So I want to start, actually, with this, to be kind to your mind, to acknowledge it's a lot. And if you weren't tired, I'd be more surprised. Because your brain is what? An energy-hungry monster. And it's got a lot to think about. But you know what? That is actually okay. Something amazing happens. I want to ask the question, what happens to our brains when we rest them? And I want to start by telling you something amazing that happens to our brain during sleep. Now, we all know that we're supposed to sleep, right? It's good for our body, cellular regeneration and all that. But I discovered something really interesting this week or in the last couple of weeks about what's going on in our brain as we sleep. The brain literally washes out toxins as we sleep. Now, this isn't toxins like do a detox, I want to sell you some supplements, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is actually a real thing. There's this thing called beta amyloid protein, or as I like to call it, bamyloid, because it sounds so much more exciting. Um, and it, what it does is it develops over the course of our day, and during our sleep, it literally gets washed out of our brain. It, it accumulates like plaque, and cerebrospinal fluid during that REM sleep, during our deep, vivid, dreaming part of our sleep, it gets washed through. Now, the connection of that protein and the accumulation of it is connected with ageing, dementia, and Alzheimer's. Now, I'm not trying to scare you, but go to bed earlier. <laughs> it's really, really good for your brain. That brain fog, that feeling of like, I just can't think, I can't focus, if we don't get enough good quality sleep, we don't allow our brains a chance to do this. Now, this is not just pseudoscience. This was discovered by peer, uh, peer research reviews in 2012. So a really recent phenomena of understanding how this worked. And yet the scripture says what? Go and get some rest. And I love the way the two go together. So getting that extra sleep is really, really important. Who's suddenly feeling a little bit scared and thinking I might go to bed early tonight because I need some washing? I need some serious washing. Put it on the brain cycle. Who, you know, but that's all very well, but it's quite hard to get to sleep sometimes. And sometimes it's hard to stay asleep. So I've come up with a really great acronym, and I thought of this in the middle of the night. I know, I did. Dream, you're welcome. Diet, routine, exercise, atmosphere, and meditate, yeah. So thinking about how are we eating? What are we putting into our diet? This is the practical work side of what we bring to the table. 
You can spend four hours before bed praying that God would help you sleep, but if you don't put anything in practice, he might say to you, why don't you try some good sleep hygiene? (laughs) And actually putting the practice thing in there too. Putting some magnesium into your diet. Often we're really deficient in magnesium. And just literally going to Countdown and getting a cheap supplement and popping that into your diet. It'd be great if we could get all of the stuff in our food. Sometimes we can't. Try a banana before bed. Sounds crazy, but so good for you. High in magnesium, actually high in potassium as well. If you like bananas, give it a go. First time I did it, freaked me out, slept 12 hours. Um, but it was amazing. Yeah, really cool. Try having a little bit of... Pre- who's, who goes to sleep okay, but then might wake at three and, yeah, struggle to get back to sleep? Having a little bit of protein just before you go to bed about 20 minutes before can be super helpful. A little bit of almond, maybe some chicken, just something like that can help you not have that wake up. All right, give it a go. All right, next one is routine. Having a little bit of getting to bed at the same time. Have a bit of a, have a, bit of a routine. Blue light. Where do we get blue light from? Comes off our screens, right? So spending hours staring at our screen and then trying to go to sleep. And then be like, oh, the devil's out to get me. I'm like, no, no. You've just been watching too much YouTube. You're just on wide awake. Okay, so getting off that. Exercise, maybe getting your body up and moving, tiring yourself out a little bit more. Not so much just before bed, but earlier during the day. Atmosphere, I like this atmosphere. Get your bedroom nice and dark, a little bit cool, a little bit colder. It's better than too hot. And all the, menop- all the menopausal women said, what? Um, yeah, get a fan in your room, get it dark, get it cool, maybe cosy. So you can feel like it's a nice place to sleep. And then finally, that meditation. What a great chance to pray, to relax. Maybe do a gratitude practice. Get your journal out, right? Something to, that you're grateful to God for today or, you know, over the last few days. Getting a little bit of a practice in like that. So what was the acronym? DREAM. All right. Now, second reason why we're so tired is that there's a lot going on and our stress responses are quite high. So with the news and with the things happening all around the world and around New Zealand, pretty much it feels like every time we flick on our phone, we're getting a little bit of like the fire alarm is going off inside us. So we're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Oh, what's happening? There's lots of things going on. And when we are in stress response, when we get challenging news, we go into one of these four stress responses. Okay, now they're perfectly natural, they're perfectly normal. God made them, they're wonderful things. However, they're really tiring. Okay, so here's our four stress responses. So we've got fight, we've got flight, freeze, and fawn. Okay, so fight is that aggressive response. I'm going to do something about it really quickly. Who knows you're a bit of a fighter? If I got you in the corner, you'd be like, come on, bring it on. If I yelled fire, you'd be like, I'm going to do something about it. Who's a fighter? Love it. Oh, I love these people. Who would, got three people would do something about it if I yelled fire. That's great. Don't follow me. I am wearing safety shoes, but I wasn't listening to the briefing, so you're welcome. But those people, that's a really great response. And what, we'll fi- what you'll find is that with all that's going on in the world, you might find yourself feeling a little bit aggressive and a little bit fighty. But you know what? That's actually okay. It's what you do with it that counts. Flight is where we just want to get out of here. Who knows you're a runner? You just be like, see ya, I'm out, I'm gone, I'm done. Yep, I'm a bit of a fighter. Who's a freezer? They just go quiet. You just think if I get really quiet, nothing will happen. Nice. And fawn is where we we over-apologize. It's a stress response. We take it all on ourselves, like a martyr. I'm so sorry. 
oh, it's all my fault. I'm such an idiot. It's, uh, you know, I'm the worst mother in the world. Everything is my problem. It's a, it's a real good stress response. Effective, but really tiring. Now, the best way to, exa- to give you an example is just to experience some of those physical things in the body. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk around a little bit. And in a minute, I'm going to get one of you to just jump up on stage. You're going to grab a microphone, uh, grab that guitar. Is that cool? We'll grab the guitar. And I'd just really love you to sing a song. <laughs> just, but, like, we've got the mic up really loud, so we can hear every little part of your voice. You just grab that microphone, and you're going to sing that song. Who are we looking? These people are thinking, oh, let me. All right, who, who's going to be brave enough to tell me what's sort of going on in your body just a little bit? Now, how, is anyone feeling a slight feeling of uncomfortableness? Yes. Is he a singer? He wants to sing Boys Light Up. Oh, we ain't got time, mate. I'd love to, but anyway. Who's going to be honest and tell me that if I came and pointed at you, what would be going on in your body? How are you feeling? Has anyone got sweaty palms? Is anyone's heart racing a little bit? Just a little bit? Yeah, anyone feeling a little bit nervous? Genuinely excited. Is anyone just keeping, if I don't look, if I just don't catch her eye, I look away. See, look away. Who's looking for their phone, their keys? I'm out of here. Did anyone genuinely think, you can't make me sing? What are you going to do? You're going to bring it on? You know, they're all normal stress responses. But even with that, I come back to the front and we all go, oh, oh thank goodness she's not going to do it. That tiny little experience we are feeling all day, every day. We're going through things that are really big. And when they stop, we go, oh, thank goodness. And we come out thinking, I'm tired. We have been designed to respond because it saves our lives. God made us this way. But we need to understand that it is actually really tiring. Let's have a little look. What do you see up there? Animals have stress response. What's he trying to do? Fly. He's out of there. Why did the chicken cross the road? Dunno. Got away from KFC, I reckon. I had some chickens, and their stress response was to stop, make themselves really big and easy to pick up. Dumb chickens, eh? Yeah, yeah, not like this one. All right, what do we see with these guys? Stress response here? Bit of freeze? Yeah, maybe hiding if I just get away. Children do this a lot at school. I've been a school teacher for many years, not now, but, um, you know, kids, you start telling them off, and they just stare at you. I'm like, what are you doing that for? And the kid's just like, <laughs> he's just thinking, if I just keep really still, that annoying woman will leave me alone. Because <laughs> in that moment, I'm a predator. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm freaking him out. And you know what? He's right, because eventually I go away. All right, what do we see here? Tell me a little bit about the cat. How can you tell that the cat's in fight mode? Bushy tail, claw up, yeah. And, you know, often we look at this and we think, oh, gosh, that cat's really mean, aggressive little grumpy thing. Maybe it's defending its kittens. Sometimes our responses are absolutely vital to save our lives, but they are very, very tiring as well. And it's not just physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's adrenal. It's all of these things going on. And they take a toll on our body. But you know what? Great things happen when we let our bodies rest. When I was recording my first album, I was in the studio with my producer, and we came to an impasse. We couldn't figure out a chorus for a song. 
and we got to like creative block. Any creators here, you would know whether you're painting or singing or dancing or whatever you're making, you will come to a point where you just think, I just can't think of what to do next. And we sat in the studio and we, we did the Mexican standoff, you know, where he looked at me and I looked at him and I thought, oh, I'm paying you to produce this album, you should do it. He looks at me and he's thinking, oh, you're the artist, you should do it. And we're just like, hmm, hmm. After about an hour, <laughs> not in sitting in silence, but after about an hour of trying to figure it out, he said, let's just go out for coffee. We walked out of the studio, we shut the door, walked down the road, didn't talk about music, Forgot the song, talked about our kids, our families, what we're doing in our lives, chit-chat in the sun, had a coffee, walked back, came into the studio, opened the door, sat down, wrote the chorus, done. Amazing things happen when we allow our brains to rest. So what actually is going on in our brain also when we rest? Our brain defrags when it's bored. Now, any computer IT people here, what's happening in a defrag situation on your computer? Love it. Putting everything back into its place, perhaps like, a, like putting all the files away. It's allowing time for your computer to tidy itself up. Now, there'll be two types of people in the room. Those whose computer desktop is really tidy, there's like one folder, and those who've got four billion things open on their computer, 80 tabs, 300 apps on your phone all going at the same time. <laughs> Ooh. 8,000 notifications on your email. This is just, oh, sorry, I'm just getting time worked up there. Yeah, and we don't get a chance to do that. So what happens is when we get bored, our brain goes into this thing called DNM or default mode network, and we just kind of zone out, and our, chance, our brain has a chance to defrag. So zoning out is kind of like that feeling, you know, when you're just kind of doing something and then you come back and you're like, oh, where was I? Often happens when you're driving. <laughs> Probably not best that, you know, when you're driving along, has anyone had the experience you're driving along and you get there and you're like, how did I get there? Yeah? Um, that's because I'm dyslexic, but thanks for the judgment. Cool, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, Michael is. Um, thank you so much. I will fix my slide. <laughs> I actually really appreciate that because I can't stand spelling mistakes. Thank you. So called the DMN, as kindly counted out by my lovely friend there. So it does that when you're bored, when you zone out. Now, what goes on while that thing is happening? It's kind of like a screensaver for your brain. And what happens is your brain gets a chance to sort of sort through the memories and experiences and think, oh, yeah, I met up with Betty before and oh, her mother was here and da, da, you know, and sort of make connections about what's going on in your life. It also helps you to create a sense of self and who you are and where you sit in the world, part of your moral sort of compass and, and just how you feel about yourself. And it also helps you to find solutions to big problems, that thing of where you go away, stop thinking, and then it comes to you. And I want to ask you an interesting question. What have we invented that will make sure that we never go into the default mode network? Can you hold it up? I've got one. All right. This is not me lecturing you about phone use because I use my phone all the time. But I am learning a little bit more about the fact that I used to have time to get bored. And it's the in-between times. I used to go and stand at the bus stop and the buses were terrible in Auckland and I'd have half an hour just standing there. 
And I'd just look at people go by and I had time to get bored. And I used to go to the doctor and sit in the doctor's office and, and I'd sit there and he had to wait and the only thing to read was, you know, like the new idea from 1942 and that wasn't very interesting. And a lot of people had touched that who were also sick, so I didn't want to touch that. And so I'd get a bit bored and I'd just kind of sit there. And we had chance to get bored and we had a chance for our brain to do that. And what we do is we sit down and we grab our phones out and immediately we jump on and we allow our stress responses to come out. If we don't ever give ourselves a chance to get bored, what happens? How do we sort through our memories? How do we refile our brain? How do we figure out who we are in the world? And how are we ever going to find solutions to big problems? Michael said something interesting to me last week because I was going to bed really late and just staying up and I'm, I'm, I'm totally preaching to myself. Okay, this is not me giving you some lecture. I can't stand it when people are already good at stuff tell you about it. I'm useless at this. So I'm learning myself. And he said to me, babe, you're just cheating yourself. Cheating yourself out of creativity, cheating yourself out of the opportunity to be refreshed, and therefore cheating yourself out of the opportunity to serve God and help others. Because I'm bored, I'm sorry, I'm tired, and I'm confused. So actually giving yourself some time to do that. What happens to a generation that never gets a chance to get bored? How creative can we be? All right, what are some brain rest activities? So this isn't so much about sleep. Go for a walk. They say going for a walk, an unmapped, uncharted walk through nature is the optimum. But just go for a wander. Don't put, you know, times and your heart rate monitor. Just go for a little hickory and see where it takes you. Let your brain get bored. Have a hot shower. Get brilliant ideas in the shower, start daydreaming. Also, you can try singing, sound great in the shower. You can start some kind of opera career in there. But often just that rest, the hot water, sit in the spa pool, just something that's resting and relaxing. Go and have a nana nap. Who loves a nana nap? Oh my gosh, thanks nana, I love a nana nap. Between 10 and 30 minutes. If you sleep for too long, you'll go through an entire sleep process, you'll wake up feeling like an angry bear and it will feel like it's tomorrow, so don't do that. But just a short little cat nap can be really, really helpful just for your brain to do that defrag. And then doing some sports, some active relaxing. If you think, oh, I'm not into all this sort of doing nothing thing, just go out and do something. Sport's a great way just to be able to get into that thing where you're almost in, just in the zone, you're just kind of zoning out, getting involved. Your body's busy, but your brain is relaxing. In our busy world, when we're busy, 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 we often don't make room to listen for the Holy Spirit's voice. We often... It gets drowned out because we don't take the time and the space. And by resting, we allow room for us to be there for others. In John chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, Jesus was on a walk. He'd been out traveling, not sure what he was doing. I hadn't read the next one before that. But he was going for a walk in Samaria, came to a town named Sychar, which was not far from the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. I love all this highly time-sensitive information that I don't really need to know. It's like talking to your mother-in-law, they start telling you stories, and then they go on to the next story. Oh, Betty, oh, I remember Betty, oh, she was married to Joe, and Joe was, oh, well, Joe, well, let me tell you about Joe, and they go off on a big tangent. And I go, well, I wasn't really interested in the start of the story. It's getting worse and worse. We're wandering off. But anyway, so I don't mind so much about the front of that, but what I'm really interested in is the bit that happens next. 
Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired out by the trip, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And this was actually important because noon was a time when not many people were out and walking, super hot. And the last person that he expected to meet was a woman walking on her own. And she came to the well. Now, if Jesus hadn't stopped, he wouldn't have met the woman. And if he hadn't met the woman, he wouldn't have had this conversation. She said, can you get me a drink of water out of the well? And he said, yes, I can, but I can also give you something more important. I offer you living water. I offer you a spiritual experience to meet the Son of God in this moment for your life to be changed forever. You'll, gather, you'll have a drink of water and you'll go away and you'll be thirsty again, but if you meet me, there'll be something deposited inside of you that won't go away. She was so excited, she ran back and I think she told her whole village and evangelized and did all these wonderful, amazing things and, and spoke the words of God. None of that would have happened if Jesus hadn't stopped for a drink, if he'd just pushed through, just been busy, 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 busy. How often do we just keep getting busy and we don't take time to listen? Now, there's a lot of information, and I think it's really important that we boil this down in a really simple way. And this is one of what I call my grabbable words, where we use little pieces of words to help us understand. And this is what I call the one degree of change. One degree of change means that if I stand here and I move in one direction for 500 miles, I'm going to end up in one place. But if I move one degree to the right, a slight imperceptible change at the beginning, I'm going to get a very different destination point. And what I want to encourage you today is in your personal part of the, your response to this, is what's going to be your one degree of change? What's one thing that you have heard today that you think, I could do that? I could knock back my bedtime by 15 minutes. I could maybe give myself a little bit of space just to get bored. I could choose to leave my phone in my bag when I go to an appointment and just see who's around me and who could I actually chat to. Maybe you're going to get your body moving a bit more, get some exercise going. Maybe you're going to spend just a little bit more time thinking about your mental health and your mental wellness moving ahead your one degree of change. Give me a thumbs up if you can think of one thing from today. You don't need to tell me what it is. One thing that you could actually put into your life. Fantastic. So faith and action. What I'd love to do is actually pray for you. I think we're going to have a song at the end. We ask if I invite the worship team just to come up and be ready. I actually wanted to pray um, <clears throat> a beautiful, the words of a hymn. There's a song called Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Anyone heard of that one? There's a beautiful phrase in this that says strength for today and hope for tomorrow because we don't do this in our own strength we do this in God's strength but we also believe that tomorrow we can continue in that practice it's not just about today doing one thing and that so let's I'm just going to pray for you all together I don't want to um embarrass anyone or highlight anyone particularly we just close our eyes in prayer and if you're somebody who really feels like today has spoken to you and you really need some support I know that after the meeting there will be some people available um, to pray Tom would that be correct mm -hmm. yeah so if you wanted to do that on a more personal level but let's just pray for everyone together and then we're going to continue in worship God we thank you for your amazing Revelation that comes even in 2023 as we learn new things about how our bodies are created. God, we thank you that we can dig into you 
but more importantly, we can learn to rest in you. Father, we, we love the busy things and we acknowledge the fun that comes with getting stuff done, but we also honour and respect the fact that our bodies were created with that need to find rest. Lord, I pray for those here who struggle with sleep, for those who are finding that difficult and just feeling exhausted in the morning, Lord, that you would bring rest into their world. Lord, that their dreams would be calm and peaceful and that they would have that chance for their bodies to recuperate. That you would just sit with them through the night and bring peace into their hearts. Father, I pray for those who struggle with taking time because life is confronting and they don't want to stop because they don't want to think about the realities of what's going on around them. Lord, give us strength and courage to allow your voice to speak. Father, I pray for those who just need some inspiration this morning, just need a little bit of a fresh touch of your spirit. For those who just want to rest in this moment, that your Holy Spirit would just wash over them and bring them peace. We thank you in Jesus' name.